0: The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman left home at the age of 15 to attend private boarding school. Being away from home, plus being surrounded by classmates that were smart and competitive, She herself became independent and competitive. And in this environment, she learned that failing was not an option. She eventually went into the Air Force, where she met the man that was to become her husband. Then one day, she lost her husband to a heart attack, and her whole world came crashing in. Many months later, she met a man online, and a blooming relationship unfolded. Until two years in, when she discovered her online love was a shyster, who had taken her for over a million dollars. Today, she is walking a path to greatness as she teaches others how to know what is real and not real in the online world. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Hi, Debbie. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Annette. I'm so excited to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: And we're going to have so much fun, but we have little time together, so I'm going to jump right on in and get us started. So for someone like you, who had been out of the dating space for so long, you thought online dating was the safest place to find a new relationship. But this turned out not to be the case. Yet today, you're happily remarried. So how did you move on once you experienced such an online betrayal or any kind of betrayal?
1: I think what happened, and you mentioned it earlier, that I was so competitive as a a young woman and didn't want to fail. I didn't want the scammer to have the best of me. I realized that, you know, I was strong and smart and, and I'd had great experiences. and I didn't want him to have the last word and, and, you know, capture me as a victim. I never wanted to see myself as a victim. And so I just put myself out there again. I opened my heart up because I understand that we, you know, we can take risks and shut ourselves down by saying never again, never again. And I had had so many friends who, who had had problems with the relationships and said, I'm never going to get married again. I'm going to be single all my life. And I'm like, you know what, you guys, if we think that way, it's going to happen. And I didn't want to think that way. I didn't want to be by myself. I wasn't needy, but I really enjoyed uh, relationships and companionships. And I just put myself out there and found a wonderful man, wonderful man. And we've been
0: happily married for five years. Wonderful. So I'm going to dig a little deeper in something you said, because something caught my attention. You mentioned the word risk. And for so many women that are widowed, or have been uh, divorced, or scammed in some way, like you, you were in your experience, they become very risk-averse, because they're afraid of being hurt, or what other people will think, and so on and so forth. Do you have some kind of clue uh, that you can give them of the internal conversation they might have with themselves to get them out of that?
1: Well, I think you have to look in, inward, look at yourself. And uh, when compared to my late husband, Lou is six foot four and just bold and what beside him I felt very small physically and, and just you know emotionally whatever and after he died and I was asked by one of his friends who are you now who are you and I'm like well I'm the kid's mom I'm my father's daughter I had all these roles but I didn't know who I was and then I started looking back and I grew up I grew up with three brothers and we were very adventuresome we used to play little games with jack knives you know called chicken and we throwing knives at each other's feet. And I'm like, well, that was really risky. But the best thing that I did is a year after Lou died, my daughter, Jenny, who was at the time 20, she and I went skydiving together. Never thought I would ever do that. And when I called one of my best friends and he was a pilot, he goes, what are you doing jumping out of a perfectly good airplane? And I sent him a picture of the plane. He goes, there's nothing perfectly good about that jump. Mm -hmm it was a bonding experience for me and jenny that we've never had since then and it was exciting exhilarating and honestly when i was standing at well standing at the open door of this airplane 10,000 feet up looking down thinking don't look down just jump and it was exhilarating and when we pulled the chute and we were just floating i'm thinking wow, this is greater than Tinkerbell. And everybody should experience this feeling of floating because it was just marvelous. But it was that thrill of dropping 5,000 feet and then slowing down. And I realized that sometimes we just have to jump and just have to go for it. Find it within yourselves. If you can't do that, you're never going to change and you'll get stuck in whatever
0: place you're at, like it or not. Yeah, which is not necessarily a good place to be, is it for sure? Yeah, not at all. So we're going to stay in this a little bit because we, we've kind of touched on the emotions of taking risk and stuff. And often the emotions arena is one many powerful women prefer to avoid. And I'm sure you were no different along the way at some points. But are you different today? And, and I'd like to have your viewpoint on what the danger is of skirting our emotions.
1: Oh, I'm very different. And, and uh, after Lou died and then after the scam, I just internalized everything. I... I could have gotten behind a rock and stayed there. And that's where actually the woman behind the smile came from. It was just, I felt like I was putting on this facade of I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm self-sufficient. I put on my smile and I never showed that there was a crack. That's a real burden to live with because you're trying to be perfect to everybody. And you realize that you're not, it was hard to live that way until a friend of mine, she's actually a social worker therapist, she sat me down one day and she said, Let me just talk to you. And she started asking these feely emotional questions. And I kept skirting. And she got, like, You're really good at skirting how you feel and not talking about it. And she said, Deb, let's just dig down, dig down. And I realized that my life was full of busyness, not necessarily business. I was busy doing lots of things. I was a mother of four, I'm the grandmother of four, I, you know, daughter running a company. I was busy, always busy and I never addressed my emotions. I never really grieved Lou's death because I got thrown into running his company right away. And so until my friend Marty showed me that if, if you look at your body, look at yourself as a piece of Swiss cheese, it's a great analogy, and those big holes in the Swiss cheese and little holes, my big hole was that I felt like I had not been listened to all those years. And that was a problem for me because I didn't want contention. And when Lou and I you know, had a little argument, I would just say, I'm sorry, and walk away. I never thoroughly addressed it. And I didn't want to deal with the emotions of it. And then after he died, and I got scammed, we realized that the two years of the online relationship filled my heart because the guy's name was Eric, or that was his fictitious name. Eric listened to me for two years, he wrote to me, I have 4000 pages of journal that chronicled that two year event. And from the inside out, I healed because he had listened to me. And even when the rug got pulled out from underneath me and and he revealed that it was a scam inside, I had healed. And I felt so great. And even with the scam, I've just been empowered to speak up about it. Years ago, I never would have talked about anything that happened that was bad. And I hid things from even my mother. My mom didn't know certain things about me until I came out with my book and I took my mom on a cruise the first time I was speaking about the book. And I opened up to my mother and said, This is what's happened to me. I was afraid to tell you all those years. And it was some things about Lou and about me and about our relationship that, you know, you don't want to tell your mom when your husband's around. It was a changing point in our relationship. It was an opening up honesty uh, moment. And I found that with my children too, my grown children. Well, they're all grown up now. But at the time when I had to reveal this, what had happened to me, to my oldest boys, oh my gosh, I got blasted anew. And they Skyped me and I could feel them coming through the screen. And I had to let them vent because at that moment, I realized that my sons, when their dad died, took on the mantle of men of the house. And when I didn't listen to them... When they said, mom, don't send money, don't do this, don't do that, I'm thinking, hey, I'm the adult here, leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And I stopped telling them about my relationship. I stopped telling them what I was doing. And then I realized that they felt later on that I didn't trust them. And maybe I didn't, but I just felt I wanted control of my own life. And I didn't want anybody at that point telling me what to do. And I realized that oh, sometimes you need to have a buddy. You need to have someone to listen to you and bounce your
0: ideas off of because we can't do this alone. Yeah, no joke. For sure. So in that experience, you were scammed out of a lot of money. And certainly this comes with a lot of shame and embarrassment. Have you been able to process these emotions so that they haven't kept you stuck?
1: Absolutely. And the way I did that was to forgive myself for what happened, because we're all going to be taken at some point in our lives, not necessarily in a relationship or an online dating scam, but in some sort of financial thing that we're going to do and we're going to beat ourselves up over it. I had to understand that I was at a very vulnerable p- point when Lou died, and then trying to run the company and do all these things by myself. And I literally was by myself in my office at home, which I think a lot of people are in that position now with social distancing and pandemic. We're all working from home. So we're teams of one. You can't, there's no I in team. We have to have people around us. I realized that I needed to figure out how to move forward. I couldn't be stuck in that position. I realized when I was young and we had a fire in our home when I was 15, before I went away to school, that possessions and things weren't going to get me any place. I couldn't be attached to stuff. And when I lost the money, I realized that in the end, I wasn't going to be able to take the money with me anyway. It was the experiences through that loss and that scam that I was going to take with me. And I needed to focus on those and moving forward. I I always had a roof over my head. I was very fortunate. And- after I remarried, I've been very fortunate. My husband has blessed me financially and in a lot of other ways, but mostly through support and understanding that you know he made mistakes in his life, I've made mistakes in our life, learned from it, moved forward. And that's what I've tried to do. I've not ever wanted to be the victim. When the FBI told me that I was a victim, I'm like, oh, no, no, that word just didn't resonate with me at all. I'm like, I'm not going to be a victim. What can I do now? And I learned this about a year after the scam when I spoke up about what had happened for the very first time, I was very embarrassed about it, but I was with two women that I really trusted and they needed to hear the story. And when they heard it, they're like, you've got to tell because my mother was taken for 80,000. My sister was you know, taken for something. I was in a Ponzi scheme twice, or I was in a relationship with a guy in person. And a year later found out he had family. When I heard that, that there were so many of us out there that have gone through something, but were afraid to speak up. I realized that in this particular situation, I needed to speak up because it wasn't for me anymore. It was for the one woman that was going to hear my story that felt like she was alone and she needed to know she had a buddy, but I got it. Therapists don't get it, but I get it because I've been there. And that's when I started talking about the woman behind the smile and the, and the romance scams. And honest to goodness, I could feel myself from the inside out just growing and feeling so powerful that the scammers can get a lot out of us, but I wasn't going to let them take my heart, take my mind and take my power back. You know, I take my power away from me. I wanted it back. And that's why I did it. And it's really been exciting because if it helps one person in the world, then I've done my job. And I think we all have something in our lives that we need to find. What is the one thing we can do? The one person we can help from
0: our experiences. And that makes life worth at least for absolutely. Me. Absolutely. on that story just for a second, because certainly your online scammer, I know you told me that he actually came and asked you for forgiveness for the betrayal. So how difficult was it for you to forgive and not only him, but also yourself? I
1: think it was easier for me to forgive him initially than myself, because I've grown up with that. You know, you grow up with forgive, forgive, and and then you have to put your money where your mouth is or put your mouth where your money is. Because I'd given him a lot of money and I'd given him my heart. And when the deception happened, and, and this is so unusual for scammers, is he actually came online and confessed in person. I saw him for the first time in the two-year relationship. I saw him the day that he confessed that it was a scam. At that point, my heart had separated from my, from my head. And logically, I was looking at this young African man thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? You know, How can I catch him? How can I catch him? And then he tried to explain that he knew I could, I could turn him in. He knew I could do whatever. He was concerned, or this is his story, is that he needed the forgiveness because he was afraid if I went after him that his siblings, who he was taking care of, might be terribly affected. Very possible, you know? And I wasn't a vengeful person. I didn't want revenge. I just wanted my money back. And I also wanted him to stop. I didn't want him to do it to anybody else. And I don't know if that's happened or not. I obviously once once we disconnected and it was several months later, I've lost track of him or I haven't pursued finding him. And it's okay because I know that by telling my story, someone like him might be stopped and maybe he must have had a a little bit of conscience, you know, or heart to have confessed because scammers don't confess and they're certainly not going to do it in person. And I have to be grateful for that because I think maybe I told you once that when Lou died, he he left here on a Wednesday. He died Thursday morning. I never saw him after he left. And there was no closure after he died. If Eric, uh, the scammer, had just dropped off the internet, then I would have felt like something terrible had happened to him. And this time even worse than when Lou died, because now I was out a million dollars. So by him telling me in person that it was a scam. I could put an end to it in my mind and in my heart. Most victims or survivors, as I like to call them, don't have that. They're out there with the guy hanging in the breeze. And, you know, that's when you get scammed again and again and again, because you believe he's come back and he's not coming back. I mean, if it's not him, it's a friend of his. They, they work in huge groups, but I needed to have that closure. And I'm really grateful for that confession. I'm not usually grateful for confessions, but it was <laughs> that, one, that one was that one was helpful <laughs> in it so was, many ways. <laughs> it gave me closure, you know, and opened up things in a different way. And I'm grateful
0: for that. Yeah. Very good. So excellent, excellent viewpoint, really is. So driven women sometimes avoid dealing with very personal issues by getting super busy. And you certainly have done that in the past yourself. So, how can high achievers avoid This super busy trap?
1: I think you have to have someone around you that's willing to call you on it. Mm. I had a gentleman the other day, we were looking at my LinkedIn profile, and I kind of have this split personality in my life. I have my passion, The Women Behind the Smile, and I have my company, BenfoComplete.com. When I go to meetings, I'm listening with both hats. I've been a little bit reticent about going out in the big way for the company because that little voice in the back of my mind that my husband used to say, keep it under the radar, keep it under the radar. It's a new vitamin supplement, keep it under the radar. And it's been, I've had the company now, Lou's been gone 11 years. It's been my company for 11 years, but I can still hear him saying, keep it under the radar. And when I was talking to this gentleman the other day, he said, what's your fear of going big? And I'm thinking, well, the FDA could close me down. I came up with all these excuses. He said, no, what's your fear? Why don't you just jump? Why don't you just try it? And if you get shut down, what's the worst case? Or if you get a, a fine, what's the worst case? And I'm thinking, oh, I can't give any more money away. I can't pay any more fines. But he said, you've been in business for 15 years. You haven't had any problems yet. Why don't you do what you're doing in a little bit bigger way? I'm thinking, why not? I wouldn't have come up with that myself because I'm the old dog, no, you know, no new tricks. But someone there that can, you can be accountable to, have an accountability buddy. Have a coach. Have someone that will make you stretch beyond what you would normally do. Because we're very comfortable here in our own little cocoons. But I feel comfortable having someone that's been through it that can hold my hand and say, okay, it's going to be all right if you just spend a little money. You might make a little more, but you're not going to make a little bit more if you don't spend anything because you're not growing. You're not doing anything. And so have that accountability buddy. And dating, it was have a dating buddy. Have someone that you trust that can look at the stuff that you're saying and doing and be objective because in the dating realm, and even in business, when we have the shiny object syndrome and we're going after something that we think, oh, this is fun, stop and listen to yourself. Give it a day or two and then reconnect. Don't always jump into something that looks right. The other day after this fellow gave me some sound advice. I said, you know what? Put it in writing, send it to me. Let me take it to my team and mull it over a little bit. And have them give me uh, a second opinion, third opinion on, is this good or not? And I did that. We had a meeting the next day and I brought it to them and they said, yeah, we need to stretch a little bit because it's not in our bailiwick. It's not something that we're really good at. So that's the other thing is find people that are around you that are good at what they do and take their advice, listen to them, work together. But we ultimately have the final decision. You know, it's my company and I've got the final decision, but I can't do it alone.
0: Yeah, yeah. And something you said that that I'd I'd like to uh, dig a little bit further into is this idea of stretching. And for those of you out there, do be careful that you don't get in your head and talk yourself out of stretching because stretching is not comfortable. I can tell all of you listening, it is very uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable, that's a good thing because it means you're getting ready to stretch in an area that you've not stretched into before. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't make good decisions around that, that you don't get taken to something, but don't be afraid to stretch and don't don't be surprised at how uncomfortable it feels. But on the other side of that, oh my goodness, what's waiting for you on the other side is incredible. Well, that's what you have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Exactly. Very well put. Exactly. And that's scary sometimes. It is. There's a reason they call it uncomfortable because it doesn't feel particularly good. I can tell you that. I've been uncomfortable a lot, but you almost have to um, flip that in your mind and say, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Oh boy, something really big is coming that I know I'm ready for. Because if not, then you talk yourself out of everything. Talk yourself out of going for, you talk yourself out of the money, you talk yourself out of the risk. I mean, just the list is long. I don't have the time, you know, all these things. And so much of that is because we don't like being uncomfortable. Right. So I'm going to ask you one more question. Powerful women uh, like yourselves often will feel vulnerable and have voids in their life. What advice would you give to women about how they might deal with these gaps that appear in their personal lives, particularly ones that appear from loss? And loss can be in all kinds of forms.
1: Well, first off, you have to identify it. Really look at yourself and say, okay, so am I not taking care of my health? Am I not taking care of my, my mental health and my physical health? Are my finances in disarray? identify those places and you're going to find this out after you talk to other people. You know, I have, I do have coaches. I have accountability friends and there are areas I actually have an accountability sheet and there's like six areas and it could be personal, financial, spiritual, physical. And each week take a look at what you're doing or what you're not doing and figure out, you know, for me, swimming is really important. It's a place where I get control of my physical body, but my mental too. After Lou died, I'd go swim and I'd do laps and laps and laps. And I'd be looking up at the ceiling and I'd be crying. And and it would be the one place where people wouldn't know I was crying, but I could catch control of my emotions after I got all that out. And then when I had the endorphins of the swimming, I felt so much better. And my physical felt so much better that then my mental felt better and I could have clarity in what I was doing. So it's really, it's identifying those areas and you're going to know, because if you, if I'm sitting here, I did this the other day, my desk was driving me crazy. I had so many different projects and I had so many different piles and I was feeling a little out of control with my desk. So I said, okay, I'm going to clean it today. I picked everything up and I moved it to my dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> my desk is clean. My dining room table is <laughs> So today it's like, okay, find your purpose. And my purpose for the next half an hour after the show will be to go organize my dining room table and put it away then get control over that. You know, so it's, it's a conscious decision to focus on one particular area, not over-focus, but spend some time, manage your time. I got this from my coach the other day, manage your time so that you're, you know, 80% of my, my time should be spent on my company that's making revenue. 20% of my time should be on my nonprofit. My desire would be 80% on the nonprofit, and 20% on the company. She goes, for now, just flip it, you know, and set aside that time so you don't get distracted because I'm busy and I'll be watching emails from the company and then I'll get something from my personal stuff and I'll be going back and forth. At the end of the day, my husband comes in and says, how was your day? I'm like, it was great. It was full, but don't ask me what I did because I did a lot of stuff, but I'm not sure I accomplished anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's identifying where you might be a little bit short on focus. Right. And so that's my word for the month is focus and have a purpose and what I'm doing for the project that's right in front of me. I
0: think sense? that's, I think, yes. And I think that's wise advice for everyone. Focus is so key. If you're going to reach high levels of success, there's no doubt about it. So Debbie, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women?
1: Well, I'd like to say that if you have been a victim of any relationship fraud, there is support out there. I'm on the board of directors of an organization called SCARS, which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. We're an international organization. I have to let you know that a relationship scam is a billion-dollar business. It is not a bunch of you know, women who are sitting around the home and getting taken in by scammers. It is intelligent doctors, lawyers, businesswomen, financial planners, all of us that are real strong business women that have a heart and that have gone through uh, either a death of a spouse or a, or a divorce or something like that, we could be at a vulnerable point in our lives. And the scammers know that. There is an art to scamming, and they are very good at their jobs. So I just want you to know, if this has happened to you, there is support out there. There are women like me, like many women around the world that have been through this, and we're here to help. SCARS, which is againstscams.org is full of information, unbelievable information for family and friends. If you have a friend that you think is going through this and you're afraid to talk to her. My girlfriends were got to be afraid of talking to me about this because they were afraid I was going to drop them as a friend. There is information for friends and family. My woman behind the smile, it's a great fun place. You know, I have a stand-up and speak up show every week where I I talk to women about what has happened in their life that they could see as a as a downside as a rock bottom point? And how can you move forward? And I'd love to hear other people's stories, just like you. What are our stories that will bring us together? Because everybody's been through something and you're going to identify the woman sitting beside you that's going through the same thing you are, but is afraid because she's by herself. Be the woman there that is sitting beside her that will hold her hand and say, you're not alone. We're not, we're all in this together. And it could be financial devastation. It can be emotional devastation. It could be family problems. I mean, who talks about mental health with our kids? Right. But we need to. And then when you start talking about it and you get bold about saying, you know, some child might have an addiction. Some child has this happening. Daughter got divorced. All those things that you never talked about with your parents. It's time to talk about it because we're all going through something like that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And it's
1: so much better to know that there's someone that's been through it that can help you identify things that maybe you don't see. And for me, that's what that's the greatest thing is don't go through this alone. If you have a partner, if you have a spouse, if you have whatever, talk to them, you know, turn off the TV, turn off the internet, and have a conversation about things going on. My husband and I go for walks and we hold our we hold hands when we walk. Yeah. It's security, it's physical closeness. But it gives me an opportunity to be vulnerable, but to have the safety in being vulnerable. And that's important is find somebody that you trust and that you can rely on to get you through the problems that you're going through, or not even the problems, you know, enjoy to celebrate the good times.
0: Right, right. Enjoy them. I think that is wonderful advice and such, such wonderful wisdom. Debbie, you have been wonderful to have with me today. Thank you for being open about your journey and sharing your gold nuggets so that others may also be elevated from your wisdom and place of reference. Thank you so much, Annette. I really appreciate being here. Have a great day. And Debbie is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds.